Welcome back to the Clocked Out, Clocked Out. Clocked Out Podcast. Welcome back to the Clocked Out Podcast with Paulo Montero. It's like yeah. a rabbit hole. I could talk to anybody about this all day. I mean, we have so much to talk about. We're the first ones to judge us and the last ones to love us. That was a product of this whiskey. Cheers. 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 Welcome back to the Clocked Out Podcast. I'm here with a new guest to the show and a new friend of mine. Welcome to the show, Susie. Hi, thanks for having me. How you doing? Good. <laughs> How you doing? All right, so uh, actually we just, I think this is just turning into a tradition now. I'm just going to bring everybody who comes to the show uh, to Norm's and get them really full before a show. Perfect. And then uh, we're going to just talk shit like yep. we always do. Um, but why don't you tell everybody what you do and why you're here and what makes you interesting enough to be on the show i guess <laughs> <laughs> all right well um, you are, oh by the way just make sure you're talking into the mic okay thank you um so i'm an author published author this is my book a girl called cutie and um it's a story based on my life and it talks about a lot of different things that can happen in someone's life that you can overcome and i am starting to write a second one i brought some pieces Ooh. that might maybe all right See what we're going on about that, but yeah, yeah, no, that's why I'm here. Here, I'll hold it up to the to the camera so they could see. And um, where could you find this? It's on Amazon. Um, All right, cool. Or if you have Kindle Unlimited, it's actually free download on Kindle Unlimited. So right. You don't even have to pay anything. You could just check it out there. Cool. See if you like it. So what? Um, so what inspired you to start writing? Because a lot of people have a lot of different reasons as to why um, they they write, and you know. I want to know what yours is. So, actually, it was another book. Um, I was in middle school, and I was skipping class. And I hung out in the library because I'm a nerd. Sounds about right. <laughs> and I got drawn into this book. Um, it was a child called It, and it was a really painful story. And he shared it in a way that was relatable. And I was like, wow, I've, I've been through some stuff, too. I bet I could write. So, even in middle school, I started writing um, about my own experiences but i i made it into a story so mm. it wasn't like i was journaling like dear diary today this happened to me right no yeah. so I, I made it into a story and right. then um in high school i typed a fictional it out. character um yeah her name is lily okay and um Susie actually means lily of the valley ah fair so, enough all right stuff. there you go so yeah and then in high school i typed it out because i was you know, handwriting then. Didn't actually know how to type in middle school. <laughs> Not like our kids today. That would be like right. elementary school on a right. keyboard. Um, yeah, and then in college, I started looking for a publisher. And um, was it last year, maybe? I actually got published. Oh, congratulations. Uh, yeah, there's something to be said about people that, um, quote, unquote, like, you know, go through something. You know what I'm saying? Like, or, or not, not even necessarily... Um, go through something but just something uh unfortunate or things little it could be little things that happen um but that turn into inspiration to do things you know what i'm saying like it, it it's there's something to be said about that a lot of great things come from a lot of bad things you know that is so true actually the publisher um so this is all my own writing but he made this one line here which i love Pain can be a thing of beauty. And I was mm. like, oh, that's so perfect. That is perfect. Yeah. That's exactly what I meant, too, when I meant when I said that. But, yeah, no, it's 
I mean, you, you think about like all the great things that come from pain or come from traumatic experiences. Like, I, I mean, I know I told you I wouldn't talk about sports, but <laughs> just to relate uh, to sports real quick, um, there's a lot of people that come from um, like poverty, like and, and really crappy areas in America, and they make something um, out of the gifts that they were given in their genes and they just kill it. And a lot of the times their motivation is from the hardships of their, their youth and growing up in, in such, um, shitty environments. But no, I mean, that's just one example of many things. I'm sure there were like, I don't know. I'm sure there were great inventions that were created by people that just either got screwed over, um, their youth robbed from them or just, traumatic things that happen yeah so that's that's actually interesting because a lot of people do kind of have their story and then they sort of have their reason why you know their story like Mm. they're called to greatness and they've overcome something so i feel like i have this great background story and i'm called to greatness don't actually know what i'm supposed to do yet uh well i think you're already doing it and it's writing so however that translate into greatness um it's your version of you just kicked my camera. I did. I was really bad <laughs> to the point where I don't even think it's. Can yeah. you still see me? Am yeah, I you could. No, nah, you're good. <laughs> but no, I think um, your 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 form of greatness is through your writing. You know what I mean? And everybody needs to find their form, where they put that out, and express whatever they they're trying to express. In your case, it's writing. In other cases, it could be painting. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it could be anything as long as you have um, some form of presentation to really express it in. You know, for you, it's the podcast. For me, it's the podcast. But I wouldn't necessarily say that. Uh, well, I don't know. It could be great. It could be great. I don't know. I could eventually talk to. I don't know. Someone like Shaquille O'Neal or Queen Latifah or someone of significant influence and power. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> but, hey, I'll, I'll accept anybody on the show. I, I, I don't even care who it is at this point. Um, but I think that as long as you have your, there's a word I'm looking for. And a lot of art people are going to be pissed at me. And it's, What's that word that I'm looking for? Um, Inspiration. No. Artistic. No, no, no. No, it's actually like physical. Um, so like what you put your art on. Canvas? Canvas is one of them. Yeah. It's, it, it's not canvas, but uh, people are going to comment on this shit like crazy. Um, no, it, there's. it's like a form of art or like the the material that you're using for your art, whether it's a painting or shit, I don't know. Yeah, I'm stuck on canvas. Yeah, it could be can. <laughs> well, you know, as long as everybody has their canvas, exactly, Susie. Yeah. Um, you know, and their form of art, then then I think they could easily express themselves, or maybe not so easily. How, how hard? Or actually, let me ask you: How long did it take for you to write this book? Ooh, there's an interesting question. Um, so in 2011 I was put on bed rest I have three children and my second one um put me on bed rest so I finished it um 
up until a certain point. Mm. And that's actually where I started doing all my queries. And then I got divorced and life took a turn. And the way I ended it was as if, you know, this, this life came together perfectly and, and married with kids. And it was a picture perfect ending. But then after the divorce, I was like, I really don't want it to end that way. So I went back. Right. And added more. And at that point, um, it hadn't been published yet. And it was when I added that. So that's why it's really, actually a really big book. It's like 300 pages. Um, but it didn't used to be. Jeez. But now it's way more truthful. And I took, right. I took that old ending out. Um, I still added, like, of course, the, the hopefulness that you have when you're married with, you know, kids on the way and all that. But um, but it definitely so it's, it's more realistic. So, so yeah, it, you, you're saying, like, it's, it's, not, it's not a diary, but in a way it kind of is. Just oh, yeah. in a story. Yeah. All right. So I mean that that's that's awesome. I mean I've I have some files on this very laptop that I just write and I I actually told your friend Melissa that when she was on the show and um and I'll just write and write and write and and then I'll just forget about it or just lose interest mm. for months at a time and um to the point where when I come back it's not the same story anymore. Yeah. But it's kind of the same type of um, theme where it's like it's me but it's not me you know what I mean like it's a story but it's pretty much me it's not technically me you know? oh yeah the so the the trick is for me at least is when you write something don't ever look back until like you're actually oh, gonna go through yeah. and edit the whole thing oh yeah I've done look... that I've done that <laughs> that's where I am on book two I've got like four chapters and I'm like I just keep rereading them and going over them yeah you're not supposed nah. to, you're never gonna get past four that's chapters. what the edit don't you have like an editor for I that? do yep. yeah mm-hmm. so so that's what they're for <laughs> yeah but it's more it's not like the grammatical sense of editing it's more like the I wanted to say this perfect perfect example of what I'm trying to express and it's just not the right words kind of feeling right that keeps making me go back to it over and over again yeah i mean it's it seems like it's a big a book is a big commitment i feel like you're you're signing up for that for a while at least and it's also an emotional um like you're almost kind of like shackled to it emotionally until it's released and even after maybe a little bit um because you want to see how people react to it of course but it's a big investment emotionally and like time wise and all that. And some people, they, you know, I'm guilty of it too. You just overthink and you just keep looking back. And like you said, just Mm. you're not supposed to read what you already wrote until after, or maybe even, you know, after it's released or anything like that. Um, it's tough. It, I, I just listen it a book like this. I'm talking specifically about a book like this. Um if it's like a fictional story uh that just you just made up, you might not have that it might not have that same impact. But I feel like a story about yourself that technically isn't yourself but definitely is yourself, it definitely has a lot of pressure to it you know what i mean like i feel like it it comes with a lot of self-responsibility and and a lot of taxing like very taxing on your emotions so i feel like when i wrote this i really wasn't that in tune with myself Mm. and it was sort of just a um a story that i was telling whereas the second book is called becoming 
where I'm actually trying to become who I am for the first time. Like I feel like I was I was a teenage mom and then um, a single mom. And then I was married for a while. We tried the whole house thing. Then I was a divorcee. Mm. And now I'm sort of for the first time just finding my voice That's that I can write my own story instead of my story telling me. Right. So, um, so yeah, this, this wasn't actually that emotional. Uh, there's a chapter where we lost my mom. That one's kind of emotional. But um, that was more just like purging. Whereas this one that I'm writing now, this one's the one that's like, okay, I really, like it's got the feeling and the. This one, yeah, this one, this one's going to have some, this one's going to have some shit to it. <laughs> <laughs> this is the, the, the juicy one. This is the intro. Yeah, right? this is the here. Get to know the author and now right. go back or even start with, well, we'll see if that ever comes out. But I brought some stuff I could share. Yeah, maybe. for sure. This is for the new book? Um, yeah, so, okay, well, we'll start with this one, All I right. suppose. This is my intro. Just going to read you, like, a few sentences yeah, here. Yeah, go ahead. Um, so, most people enjoy their childhood home, but not me. My childhood home would become the same home I returned to in my dreams decades later, searching the walls, secret call spaces, and corners of the attic for answers I needed to find. Pages of my life that I had written in a journal and ripped out, hidden and tucked away so my family could not find them. Little did I know, I was creating a mental prison I still cannot escape. I always feel haunted in that house. Now, decades later, it still haunts me. It holds a past filled with fears, missing memories. This house is made of more than wooden nails. Always my mind wanders, lost in that house. What is it I can't remember? Damn. Yeah. So it kind of starts off with, that's my backstory. And I have some things that I'm trying to find out about myself. Right. And missing memories and goes through all that and how I came to be here. That's awesome. That's really cool. And you know what's crazy? Even like um, the fact that you know, regardless of how the book does, you still have something physical forever that is documented. It's here to stay. It's not like a Instagram photo or anything like that. This is a physical copy of what you consider to be, um, you know, the intro or about the author or anything like that people that don't know you will read this and then they'll know you um that's actually been one heck of an experience so i'm on facebook um susan nicole scully hetrick is the author profile that i've created and people have started feeling like they've gotten to know me and one person in particular was like let's go have coffee and we met at the mall and we actually got ice cream all right yeah all right um and she brought my book with her that she had bought and had had me sign it i gave an autograph and we shared some of our like oh shout out to uh, alexandra alexandra yeah all right cool cool shout out alexandra hope you're watching um or listening but no i think that um there's something to be said about having something it like obviously this is on a much lower scale than what i'm about to say but like when something is physical like this it's as permanent or could be as permanent as something like the bible where it's like obviously (laughs) a lot lower scale but i'm just saying that it's not going anywhere this is here forever it's like a, a painting or a sculpture or a, a picture, um, not on a social media, just an actual physical picture. Um, 
Yeah, there's something to be said about that. And I was actually talking to my friend James. He was here last night. And I told him, I'm like, maybe someday, you know, I'll sit down and, you know, once once I'm living my boring, continuous, routine life, uh, maybe I'll sit down and have somebody, I'll be talking to someone like this while they're writing and they'll write a book for me. Because I'll never have the patience to write a whole book. But I do want something physical like this to document because, I, I mean, what I say on here is very limited to literally everything I've done. Mm. So I think there's a lot to say. And I, I think you've said a lot in this book, all 300 and however many pages. Six, maybe? <laughs> yeah. That's a good question. Um, that's interesting because my I have a friend um, who lives in New York over by Lake George. Mm. And we, we've known each other since kindergarten. And he has such an interesting life story that I've actually asked him. I sort of wrote a couple chapters, and I was like, hey, what do you think of me writing this by the way I started? Because <laughs> I've known him for so long. What do you say? Um, he hasn't read it yet. He's going oh, through shit. some stuff. Oh, but I was shit. like, you know, it was an idea. I'm like, I, I would love to tell your story, like specifically his He's building his the suspense. Story. He's building so, the suspense. Yeah, we'll see what he says. <laughs> be like, i got to interview you. So tell me about this. Uh, so this next book, this next book is, is this the, is this going to be the final book? that specifically relates to you hmm. and your um, life experiences or is there going to be multiple books or are you going to take a different direction and maybe do something fictional um, like what what so th- these books obviously just relate to you mm-hmm. and your experiences they are your experiences mm-hmm. what's going to be after that so that's a great question um, because I do have three children. I'm definitely like nervous to actually write about them, mm. um, but parenting them, you know, that's a different thing. So they're He's like, if I'm doing it, right? I get to write about it. Yeah, all right? You right. don't get to tell me no. <laughs> um, but I don't think I could ever write a completely made up story just because my mind would would just it would not focus well on that. Really, I don't think so. Really, <laughs> I don't know. I think you have quite the imagination. You know, and I think maybe too much or maybe too much, <laughs> but I think you, I think it would, I don't know. That's just me. What I, what I feel just knowing you talking to you, um, that's the impression that I get is like, uh, I think she has a little, I think like not to take away from what you're doing here. I think it's a great idea and I think it's, it's you, you mm-hmm. know, um, but I'm, I'm curious to see what, what is deeper in the in the mind, in the make believe mind of Susie, not the <laughs> you know, not the real the real life Susie. That's an interesting I actually like um something that Melissa said when you had her on here about mm. how she based her story on someone that she knew. Um there's also another author that I recently became friends with on Facebook and um her book is uh, A Soulmate's Call. I highly recommend it. And I, I asked her, I'm like, is this person real? And, of course, he's based on someone. And so there, there there are some ideas that are kicking around about, like, people in my life and then maybe basing something on them and taking a story and making it a little bit more. Or just, yeah, or just, like, taking an idea from someone's life and maybe making a complete, obviously with their permission, but making a complete spinoff of their life. You know what I mean? With their permission. With their permit, of course. You don't want to go around 
you know. Hey, I wrote a book about you. Yeah, I wrote a book <laughs> about you. Uh, I only put this small truth in there, and then I made up the rest. So yeah. here, read it. Yeah. He's a podcaster, I basically. Yeah. <laughs> that's actually book two. I'm lying. That's book two. He's a podcaster. <laughs> oh, man, that's funny. But, yeah, I think, um, I don't know. I wouldn't limit yourself. I wouldn't. I wouldn't limit yourself to to just feel what's what's natural, which you know, like I said, is great. Mm. But I think sometimes great artists need to be pushed. So I'm I'm pushing you. Oh wow! I'm pushing you, All pushing right. you in the right direction. Maybe it's a new challenge to reach. Uh, I don't know. Sometimes, like even I, I find myself sometimes uh, getting real stagnant with photography or even with the show the show's like content what what i talk about on here and um i'll call myself out on it or other people will call me out on it which is great i love when people call me i was telling you that earlier mm -hmm. uh that just um criticism is great and constructive criticism or bad criticism <laughs> i'll take that too i don't care and and i'll do what i please with it but um no i think that People that have a lot of potential and a talent need to be pushed. We are brought to you by M&S Mechanical and Home Improvement, LLC. If you need any HVAC or home improvement work, my guy, Anthony Merritt, is the guy to call. Uh, he does AC and heat installs, AC servicing, sheet metal, handyman work, or just general repairs. He's fully licensed and insured. I've known him for many years, and one of his things that he's always perfected his craft on was the passion for his HVAC work. We've been longtime friends and even uh, classmates. He is a great person and so great he will give you 10% off just for mentioning the Clocked Out podcast. So if you have any home improvement jobs or any HVAC jobs that are coming up, I would definitely recommend Anthony Merritt. You can reach him at 203-841-8385 or on Instagram at MS Mechanical One. That is 203-841-8385 or on Instagram at MS Mechanical One. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, definitely. I appreciate that challenge. I might take you up on it yeah. and uh, keep you posted. Next book, Podcaster. <laughs> the Podcaster. <laughs> the podcaster. <laughs> so Adventures around the galaxy. Yeah, the galaxy. <laughs> why don't you go ahead and... Uh, We'll we'll dive into this second book that you're doing, and why don't you you have a reading from it? I have a couple of things. I wasn't really sure what I was gonna pick. I was kind of gonna see where the conversation flew. I was mm. like, well, if we talk about this, I could talk about that. So, um, yeah, it's definitely um, not as uh, story based as in I'm telling a story. It's more feelings. Ah, and. Um, so anyways, um, it does give a little intro on this one, which is for as long as I can remember, someone has always called me beautiful, but all I can see are the invisible marks that people have left on me, which is why I called this book A Girl Called Beauty. You can't actually see where they put their hands, but I feel stained, burned, stabbed, beaten, thrown, abandoned, or anything but beautiful. You may see a pretty face, but all my life I have seen a lot of pain. Nearly two decades later, carrying the broken dream of finding true love, marrying your high school sweetheart, buying the big house with the white picket fence, yada yada. Um, I've been saying fake it till you make it because I was a pregnant teen, but now I'm 36 and I have my house with the yard and I love it. 
but I can't help but wonder if my sleepless nights are a reaction to the compliments that people say that I am strong or a force to be reckoned with. As a result from all the trauma and drama, abuse and recovery, abandonment, racism, having a biracial daughter, hate, struggle, and so many bottoms. I have a story to tell. I have a lot to offer. You may see it differently than me, but I'm looking for that person who will know me. Voila. Nice. That's powerful. That's kind of the intro to book two. That's the intro. Is that how the intro, or is that how the book is going to be throughout the whole book or is it are you are you reeling it back into like the story like is it going to be still like a a story based on your life or is it no just nope from there it's just um just feelings and i'm doing a lot more poems in this one too like i have a poem about um love um i'll do oh shit (laughs) okay my idea of love all right let's Um, hear it My very breath betrays me and lives for the idea of true love. My heart aches, my body throbs, my stomach twists and turns. Every thought is concluded with the inquiry of if you're inquiring of me. Distracted doesn't do justice to my state of mind. So it's a little small. Yeah. But um, yeah, things like that just to kind of, you know. So, So, okay. Now, I asked you what inspired you to write. I asked you what your book's about now i want to know what what is the goal behind your books like what are you trying to achieve with these two books any message any like what are you what are you trying to accomplish with with what you're writing so the first book is definitely to um do some soul searching and encourage others to talk about things that they have gone through I think there are a lot of things that are taboo and people don't talk about, Mm. um, especially if they feel like they're the victim or have gone through something that's dramatic and other people would shy away from, even losing a parent or a child. I've never lost a child, but I know people who have. And things like that are difficult to talk about. So book one sort of encourage you to um, have have your life experience and be able to talk about it. Whereas book two is more feelings and finding out who you are Mm. and getting to know yourself and exploring that like if you have this passionate part of you what's there what is driving it what is behind it right right and um i think both messages are strong enough and worthy enough to be on a book and i think a lot of people that read your books will find something valuable from that um i think it's i honestly think it's a problem that we have as people to like just right now um a lot of issues that we have uh could be solved by just talking you know and i feel like that's something that we're missing here we're missing here we're missing in connecticut we're missing in america we're missing all over the world is just communication Mm. and really being like real and acknowledging feelings and understanding like hey you feel like shit or you're down or whatever like you shouldn't be embarrassed about it. You should just talk about it. And I tried telling that to my dad, too. It's like back in his generation, it was almost unheard of to see. Like if you were a man and you were crying, you're a bitch. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And I'm glad that like times are changing for certain things, and that's one of them mm-hmm. that like I could get behind because it's like, you know, it's healthy. It's healthy to feel shit. It's healthy to talk about shit. It's healthy to 
it's he- it's just healthy. Communication is healthy. Getting things off your chest is healthy. When I make mistakes, and trust me, I've made many, <laughs> um, and things that I'll probably regret, you know, to the day I die. Uh, but if it, it it feels good to just let it out. You know what I mean? Like if you're keeping something from someone or um, – you know, if you're just being a bad person at that time, it shouldn't define you, but it's good to let things like that out, things that have weight on them or things that have weight on your life that really change who you, your everyday person, like who you are as a person every day. Um, you know, that, that could be the difference between being a really good person every day or being like a really like angry person or down depressed person or just letting things off your chest is so valuable so valuable i definitely agree i i think it doesn't even have to be the big things too because in your day-to-day life just having someone to say how your day went little things that bother you here and there those things build up over time right even if you have the same kind of negative encounter at work or at school or wherever you may go in your day-to-day life if it's the same experience over and it's bothering you in some way and you don't have an outlet, you don't have anyone to talk to and to share your feelings with, that can definitely affect your personality in a negative way. Right. Take its wear and tear. I um, I just stopped my job that I was temporarily at to, you know, get a paycheck. And, um, and it was delivering appliances. Uh, shout out to Ferraris. I love my Ferraris fam. Uh, <laughs> But I was delivering to this old couple, and they are in their 90s. And I could tell that they don't really get family to visit. Um, Everybody's probably got their family and their family's family, you know? And Mm -hmm. you could just tell that they were kind of like left for dead, kind of. Yeah, it kind of sucks, actually. Very depressing. But they had each other still, which is lucky because, you know, um, they say usually – like as you get older like if one passes away like the other one does like really quick right after so i'm glad that they still have each other which is you know a good thing but i could tell that us being there to deliver their washer machine i think it was uh was the highlight of their week Uh i could just tell and um we were talking and this guy was telling me about like this this company that i ultimately want to get into and build a career with and he used to work there and he was telling me all the you know uh secrets of the trade and come to find out he was actually in the position like the job position that I want wow like uh, like to the T and uh he gave me his whole life story and and how they met and everything like that this is why delivery men are always late right <laughs> no no because <laughs> a lot of people don't this is where i'm getting at a lot of people don't have the patience to hear other people, mm-hmm. especially people that could talk. And, and on the outside looking in, you're like, you're probably sitting there like, damn, this guy never shuts up. But if if you have like, I don't know, I have a soft spot for old people. Mm-hmm. And I was li- actually listening to what he was saying, not just being like, yeah, okay, cool. Yeah, yep, okay. Mm-hmm. No, like I, listening to what he's saying. And there was some value behind a lot of the things he was saying. And, um, and the fact that I was engaged in conversation with him, I could tell he was just ecstatic over it and to the point where I probably was there 30 minutes longer than I should have been but the fact that I was hearing him 
responding and actually engaging in conversation with him, he probably had one of the best experiences ever. And it probably made his whole weekend. Um, it wasn't a waste of time for me either because he was actually saying some valuable things. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of the times I'll see people, you know, they'll be in that situ- same situation and they will be like, damn, this guy does not shut the fuck up. Or <laughs> damn, like, could we go already? Like, they have other deliveries to make. Right. And sometimes it's just good to take a step back and really hear someone and really speak to someone genuinely and not lie to their face, but actually speak whatever comes to mind right then and there. It's healthy. It's healthy across the board for everybody, old, young, you know. It's just it's it's healthy to have that communication. I definitely agree. Um, I'm actually doing a family therapy program with with um, my oldest daughter and we're learning about mindfulness and I believe empathy definitely plays a part in what you're saying too but basically mindful is just being aware of what you're doing while you're doing it even something as simple as engaging in this conversation Mm. um, when you go to drink your water or read your book or whatever it is that you may be doing don't be on autopilot and just cruise through life, but actually pay attention. And then when you add empathy to it, you have the ability to pause and incorporate what someone else is doing in your, you know, because we're just so set on autopilot so much of the time that we don't take the time to pay attention Sometimes to Sometimes I don't else. even remember the drive home. That's exactly. how autopilot it is. Yes. I don't even, I'm like, yo, I don't know how I got here, but I'm glad I got here because that was weird. I don't remember anything. And that I don't remember actually... if I stopped at that stop sign or not. <laughs> Like, yeah. That no. was that was the example she gave. She was like, how many of you will be driving along and you're at your destination and you don't remember whether or not you took that turn or stopped at that light? Do you remember, like, every single thing along the way? I'm not going to lie. It was really bad one day on the box truck. I was just zoning out, and I just drove right through a red light. We oui. Luckily, nobody was coming, but I just... And then I snapped out of it. I'm like, wait, did that just happen? And sometimes you're just so on autopilot that you just don't even do things right you know what i mean it'd be one thing if you were doing things right while you were on autopilot but if you're on autopilot and doing things wrong like <laughs> you're not setting yourself up very no, well right no there. no no it's getting worse but yeah um at the end of the day to oh there goes the boat horns <laughs> i love living in Groton. <laughs> at the end of the day um you know it, there's only good things that come out of talking and even if what you're saying is like the worst thing ever, um, that person, the, the good thing in that is that that person knows that you're not supposed to be in their life. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like it, they, if you get as bad as you can be verbally to somebody, the positive in that is that, okay, now I know who they are as a person and I don't need to waste my time. That's the positive thing about it. You know, the negative thing, obviously, is what came out of their mouth. Mm. But communication, and I'll stress this till the dad die, without communication, we can't function. We can't function. We can't um, express how we feel. We can't express um, what bothers us uh, significantly enough to alter our life. You know what I mean? Like, there's so much shit that's missing that people don't really see being important and um, it should be. It should be stressed in school. It should be stressed in everything. It's like open-minded 
communication, and like you said, mindfulness. Mindfulness is key. Have you ever sat down in school and had to do like peer mediation, I think is what they call it, where they actually have like two students who are in a point of of disagreement Mm -hmm. and they have peer monitors come in and they sort of guide them in how to communicate. Normally this only happens when there's a problem between the two students and they want them to be able to come to a table and resolve it. But I think that should be a class. That should be a class. Just sitting down and learn how to communicate with your peers. Just like public speaking. I was fortunate enough to take public speaking before my brother's wedding and before I had to give the best man speech. Nice. And I absolutely killed it, which I'm not, I'm not going to brag, but I did. And um, and I think that that really helped me, and alcohol too, but that really helped me get in front of people and talk. <laughs> a lot of people. It was like 100. Actually, there was like almost 200 people there, I think. Wow. And it didn't phase me. I got a little like adrenaline rush, but it, it didn't phase me. And why? Because I had to, I was forced to talk in front of my class at, at three rivers in public speaking. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it prepared me for moments like that. So just imagine, and that's just a semester, one right. class mm-hmm. in a semester. Imagine having like a, a class, a course throughout life between, kindergarten and um let's just say high school you know from the day you start school to the day you finish school just having a course just like math just like science social studies all that but call it life and communication exactly life and communication oh we could add finances in on that because well, I that's can't life. even tell you well, that would be, people don't know how to balance a checkbook yeah that would be under <laughs> the, be category, the category yeah of life because <laughs> because it, it the things that should be common sense exactly are not mm-hmm. and the things that were taught back back in the day are not anymore and instead we're learning about like we're stressing over remembering like i don't know like people who like some captain or sergeant in a war or something like that or what date was this war on or who gives a shit like mm. yeah it's cool to know that but is that going to help me pay my taxes you know like, is that going to help me learn about building my credit? Or is that going to help me learn about talking about my feelings or um, talking in front of people, talking as a professional, handling myself as a professional? Nobody knows how to do any of that. A lot of kids that I work with, they don't like, and I say kids like they're like kids, but they're not. They're a little younger than me, but they don't know how to present themselves as an adult they don't know how to talk as an adult communicate or be professional or anything like that and if you don't have one of those jobs that teaches you that like i don't know for me it was catering Mm -hmm. um then where do you learn that how do you learn that you just you get called out by people you know like it, it sucks it sucks they should do more to prepare people for life and communication I I agree with you, but I'm going to add the other side of this, too, because I can literally hear teachers everywhere screaming at you. Mm. They're going to say that, you know, we are teaching your kids like the core curriculums, like the English is and the math and the histories and and the requirements because we are standardized testing and they need to get those sort of life experiences from their families. And they they really want to incorporate the parents into those um, teachings for their children and not have the whole responsibility of how to bring up a child fall exclusively on the schools. At some mm. point, the families have to participate. For sure, too. for sure. And I agree with that. And I think that's a good point. 
but I also think that um, I'm not I'm not asking for teachers to teach kids morals. Mm-hmm. I think that's up to the parents how you want to raise your kid. I'm thinking more so how to um, pretty much prepare them for the real world, right? And the technical stuff, like how to pay a bill, how to like what is credit, how to build credit, uh, what is life insurance. What what's a what's a premium? By what, the way, if you're not if you don't have life insurance right now and you're younger, you should get life insurance when you're younger because the older you get, the more expensive it gets. So mm-hmm. go ahead and that's one lesson free for you right here. Yeah, ching cash it, that. Though. Yeah, she's not selling it. You have to figure <laughs> that part out on your own, but go to your local bank. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, um, I just it it bothers me though that and. It's not that hard. I'm not. I understand what you're saying as far as like the teacher feeling like the the parents need to, you know, pull more weight, and that's true. I think, um, I think that parents have a big responsibility in raising their kid to be the best version of themselves. Do they? No. Um, but we also pay taxes for a reason, and I think that if if I'm paying taxes and I have kids. And I'm investing in my community and the knowledge that is being taught to my to to the kid to my kids and the kids in my society. Um, I would want something of value to be taught. I don't want to be paying for education that is borderline useless. Not right. not all of it's useless. I can't say that. Um, you know, you need to be able to know. Uh, like English classes are like crucial math is crucial um anything after that it could get a little dicey depending on a career path i think finland for example does it really good (laughs) what does finland do i think if i'm not mistaken um i'm not an expert on any of these things i just come on here and talk shit so bear (laughs) with me but i'm pretty sure if not finland there's another country that does this but pretty sure that they they let you they they don't have like core classes. They just let you explore what you want to be and work for it and also teach you pretty much common sense life things. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know, how to like chop down a tree or something. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like build a fire. I don't know. Um, just a, they, they're, they're more hands-on mm-hmm. and more life-oriented, it seems like, from what I've briefly read um and they kind of prepare you more for the reality than the book because we shouldn't have this oh well your book smart or your street smart it should not be that should not be one of one of the two it should be you're just smart street smart class this is how you get schooled (laughs) on the street that'd be life and communication that would be the life and communication yeah bring it Anything that falls under street smart could go right under life and communication. That is a broad, broad class. You could be a teacher for that class, I bet. I would hope not. If I was, <laughs> if I was selected to teach that class, I would hope that at least a thousand people were considered before me. Because, <laughs> because, yeah, I do make a lot of smart choices, and I am pretty street smart, I will say. But I'm not perfect, and I don't expect any teacher to be perfect. But if you have a curriculum in front of you, how hard is it to mess that up? You know what I mean? 
we've seen it get messed <laughs> up <laughs> we've seen it get messed up but i'm not how... gonna say any names right you don't have to um mr smith no i'm kidding <laughs> um i think that uh i think it's crucial i think it's crucial for the future if you want like if you want like smarter people in our country because there's a lot of smart people the thing is they just haven't unlocked that intelligence because nobody has brought it out of them just as as similar as me saying hey what's your next challenge after that second book of yours you know what i'm saying like who's challenging kids to really reach their potential i don't think anybody is yeah you know like okay i taught the same class for 17 years to different kids but it's the same class the same material and the same textbooks that every once in a while they give us new ones yippee i gotta say i've had one teacher that specifically broke the mold from that um it was there's always a few yeah diamonds in the rough exactly yeah, yeah it was that 10th grade math teacher i love math by the way and i bet you, you remember his name yeah i'm not gonna say it though no you don't have to but i bet you you remember his name and he was a male teacher which i think speaks highly for for that we don't get a lot of male teachers that i have seen um, but he was particularly driven to not just teach the curriculum, but to get to know his students and to teach into their lives, right. to speak into their lives. Right. And relate it to their lives. Yeah. In 10th grade for me, I had moved from um, New Britain, Connecticut to Meriden, Connecticut, and I didn't know anyone. And New Britain, Connecticut, just to give you a little bit of an idea, my freshman class going into New Britain High School was almost a thousand students. Uh, when I got to Meriden, the entire high school didn't even have a thousand students, and they all grew up together and like rotated class. They all knew each other. Right. It was a very tight knit group, and it was very challenging um, to fit in as the outsider. And this particular teacher, he saw that he saw the struggle. He actually gave me some backstory on some of the students and told me who to stay away from. Which he's like, if you say I told you this, I'm gonna be like, no, I didn't. Say it. I'm not supposed to say this. Right. But he cared. You right. Know? Right. He's just looking out because he knows the situation. You know, and um, yeah, it, it, I'm sure it was rough if you got a <laughs> tight knit group, you know, moving at, as one to fit in. Yeah, they but, tried to make me the scapegoat for something. Oh hell you know, no! You know what you learn in your Britain streets? What <laughs> you learn how to go like that? Oh shit! You just have to do that one oh, time. Shit. She's an author, but she knows how to swing. <laughs> Meriden people don't know. Not all. I'm sorry. Excuse me, Meriden. Yeah. Not hating on Meriden. No. Nah. But there, I, my side of Meriden was more of the the Daffodil Festival over by Hubbard Park with the really nice houses in Castle Craig up hiking. Oh, you know, very. You lived in the Wonderland. Loved. Yes, it was mm. very different from growing up in New Hard Hit in New Britain. Hard Hit in New Britain. <laughs> you walk a mile away from school to get to school because you don't go through that. Can I ask you? A, can I ask you a question? Sure. You might not know who this is, okay? But I would like to know if you went to school with this particular person. You're like a decade on you, bud. I know that. <laughs> I'm not talking about me and my generation okay. of people. I'm talking about or my age group of people. I'm talking about uh, a football player, and you might know who I'm talking about. Oh, is it Nathan Jones? No, no, <laughs> well, I no. Know Nathan Jones. Aaron, Aaron Hernandez. Um... Do you remember that whole story? No, you don't remember. Uh, you don't. Oh, I'm, I don't. You don't follow sports. No, not so much. But, but there he, was someone that I went to. Pretty uh, sure he's from New Britain or yeah. Bristol. No, pretty sure he's from. I don't know. I'm pretty sure he's from New Britain. Hmm. Could be wrong. Okay. But uh, played for the Patriots. Um, ended up hanging himself in his jail cell. Oh. 
You don't remember that? I don't it watch was the news. Big time story, and it, his documentary is on Netflix. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I miss that. Yeah. All right. Well, maybe you'll study up then. I don't know. <laughs> I <laughs> uh, thought I said don't bring up sports. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's uh, do you not see all the stuff in here? I know. Yeah. It's, it's and, natural for yeah, me. Okay. Uh, even with people that don't but know wait, sports. Do you I'll know try. the name Nathan Jones though? I'm pretty sure no. it's football. No, not nah. his name. But I feel like he's on one of those like major league teams, and I definitely we went to the same church too. Not even just schools. Like damn. I know his mama. Is he worth money? Probably. Does he got? If he's really famous, you know, give me a little autograph. Oh, I don't see him anymore. It's been like I said, I moved out of New Britain when I was ninth oh, grade. Damn, son. Well, eh, our parents were shot. friends. <laughs> it was worth a shot. Um, but yeah, to get back to what we were talking about, um, it wouldn't hurt. It would not hurt to teach to to kind of mold the future to what it should be, you know, and kind of learn. Um, learn where we went wrong and kind of steer the crowd in the right direction and really um, try to correct a lot of the mistakes and try to raise a generation that's like actually smart and you know not to talk shit on like the up-and-coming generations Mm -hmm. but it's not looking good have you ever heard of um, something that's called like the pendulum swing So uh, on, on the, there's two extremes. On on the one extreme, you have the generation that grew up, like, let's say our parents, um, where they are coming out of um, their own difficult times, and it created a hardworking generation that was perhaps a little bit harder on their children. Mm-hmm. Um, but my dad, for example, would have two or three jobs at a time. My mom sometimes even had to have two jobs. Uh, very hardworking generation. And now you swing the pendulum to to my generation of parenting. I'm seeing a lot of um, I want to use the word coddling, but I don't want to be offensive. Uh, no, that's that's a that's that's a definite act, like that's an accurate term. Thank you. <laughs> that's an accurate term. <laughs> it's an accurate term. I, I'll be offensive for you. Y'all need to stop coddling your kids. <laughs> and I'm guilty as well. I, I like I said, three kids. I coddle them sometimes too. But um, so the pendulum is swinging, and now what you're seeing is this third generation, our kids that are coming mm. up, and, and my daughter's old enough to go to work. The work ethic, I can't tell you how many kids came in and out of the job that she had just for this summer. Mm. They would go to work and be like, wait, you mean I actually have to do something? Right. Wash dishes, clear right. a table. Right. Expected to be at your station and not go eat like over in the corner just because you feel like you're hungry. Right. It was amazing. I keep seeing this meme on Facebook, and it's like, you think your life is hard. Try holding the flashlight for your dad while he works or whatever. (laughs) And it's so true. I related to that so well because it was like, I held the flashlight for my dad plenty of times, and if I'm not holding it the right way for him, I get my ass, like, yelled at. (laughs) Or knocked upside the head. Yeah, like, yo. (laughs) Like the the amount of fear. I mean, he is the nicest dude ever. Of course, but, yes. But the amount of fear he put into me as a kid. He probably was just talking normal. But like Portuguese people are loud, so you everyone that hears my family thinks they're like arguing nonstop, which <laughs> half the time they are. But <laughs> but we're just loud. And uh, me as a kid, just damn. I was like, this dude is scary. And yeah, sometimes I mean, it's just too. You're right. I think. Parents now are coddling their kids a little too much, and there's always an easier route to do things, and there's always an easier um, end result, and um, 
yeah, it's just, it's the unfortunate truth. So I'm hoping that this pendulum thing you're talking about swings back, swings back yeah. soon. It should. It should. That's the idea. But I also am a firm believer in you have the power to create the future. You have, like, even Be in the your, change you want to see in the world. Right. You, you with your kids, me with my future potential kids, there's all, there, there's a whole opportunity there to see, okay, this is what my family is now. This is what the mistakes we've made. This is the mistakes that maybe I've seen in my life that were um, a thing. Now, how do I translate that to raising them to be better? Because it's all about being better. But sometimes you get the wrong idea of what's better. And you think, okay, well, if my kid never has to lift a finger, then, yeah, that's better. No, you should still teach them, like, how to, like, at least work hard for something. Whether that's, I don't know. If you're a millionaire and you want to give a Lamborghini to your kid for their 16th birthday as their first car, well, make them work for it. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You can do that, but let's develop a reward system. Put right, some smiley faces right, on a chart right, right, star. right. And I think it's entirely that. See, that brings us back to like the whole education thing, where it's like teacher. You, you're saying teachers would freak out if there was a course like that. I think. That is up to the parents, that specific example, like, mm. and many more is just the moral side of it. That's a, entirely up to the, the, the parents. And, um, I feel like a lot, a lot has been lost in morals and, um, and it, it's sad because it's a, you see a, a direct reflection of that on the kids in the upcoming generation, how they talk to elders. Oh my gosh. If I talk to elders the way these kids are talking, I wouldn't have a face. So that brings up a really interesting point. Um, I believe in censoring and my ex-husband is not um, believing in censoring. I think that there's a lot of desensitization that comes with our generation and the ones underneath us. What do you mean censoring? Um, Just censoring content? I Yeah. And um, like I don't allow certain words or certain shows or certain mm. – uh, artists even mm -hmm. uh, musicians or uh, that i don't think so if you're going to bring a child to a movie they have pg they have pg-13 they have r they have x you wouldn't bring the wrong child to the wrong movie mm. so just take that into consideration with all of the other things into music you shouldn't let in my opinion um younger children listen to all of those sort of angry words and angry lyrics mm. you're you, and we are creating um a lot of desensitized children without censoring right. what content they're exposed to at what age and you're ending up seeing these younger children with these mouths and these attitudes and they're just right. well i think that's also i i get where you're coming from for sure um you also don't want to uh get to the point where you over censor them Oh, that would be my parents. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We grew up. We grew up like without cable, and but, I don't think I ever. No, I mean, I mean, like just like. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, just like um, you don't want to like make them too too nice either. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you want you want there to be some. You want them to know. This is the happy medium. The happy median is uh, you want them to know what's wrong. In, in my opinion, mm -hmm. I, I forgot to say it. In my opinion. Because a lot of people, they'd be like, yo, this dude don't even have kids. What the fuck is he saying? But anyways, <laughs> um, in my opinion, the happy median is that they know what's wrong. They could be exposed to what's wrong, but they do what's right. 
and they say what's right and how they act is right. So if I have a teenage uh, boy who is um, getting a lot of influence from other teenage boys at school, but I raised him right, he like he will be fine. If I raised him wrong, then he will inherit their traits. But if he knows that, okay, they're just being assholes and like we're all still friends and I'm cool and you know if they're about to go do some shit that'll get them into trouble, I'll just be like, yo, I'll catch you guys later or anything like that, then you're good. The problem is when they don't know the difference between right and wrong. Mm. And if, I mean, to put it nicely, if if they aren't like scared to do wrong, that's also a problem too. Like me, when I was growing up, I was scared to do wrong because I knew if I, I did wrong, my dad would beat my ass. Oh, hell yeah. Same. You know what I mean? And sometimes that tough love is good. Yeah. Sometimes that tough love is good. I'm telling you, I'm not telling you to go punch your kids in the face. No, definitely Jesus. not. But, but I think it encourages respect also. And it doesn't right. need to be physical. I think we should definitely add that in there. No, it doesn't. But having that fear where your child fears you, I think it should be to the point of respect, but right. not like they're actually afraid that you can... That well, I that's a good point, and I think to put it into better words um, of what I was trying to say is and this is exactly how I was growing up, I used to fear, and I still do, I fear to, I fear the, the uh, moment of disrespecting my parents. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So I don't even swear in front of my parents. Oh, I do. Still. <laughs> I swear on I swear on this. So. I, know. I saw the one with you and your dad. Oh. You guys are so cute together. Oh, we're just, you know, two peas in a pod, <laughs> two pork chops in a studio. <laughs> That's, That's all good. it is. Um, no, nah, but I, I think that uh, when they have that fear or the, the fear of disappointing or disrespecting your parents should be in every kid because it makes them a, a good kid. You know, it, it's like I cannot disrespect the image of my family by doing this certain action. You know what I'm saying? I do. I don't think that's everyone's situation. No, I think there are a lot of not. missing parents um, that kids yeah. don't have. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of parents that are struggling with their own issues that their children see, and it brings them to a point where they can't respect what oh, their parents sure. are going through. For sure. It's not as... I it's not as black and lucky. white. Yeah, yeah we're, we're definitely 100% lucky, lucky to have parents that, right. that deserve respect. Mm. But yeah, that's definitely not the case in every family. Great. 100%. I agree with you. That was more of a generic um, blanket statement for you know what um, a perfect world would look like. But obviously nothing's perfect and things happen. And sometimes, you know, things that uh, affect the way you live your life and affect the way the younger ones live their lives. I mean, shit happens, right? And and sometimes you can't sometimes you can't hold everyone to the same standard because exactly. not everyone is on the same page. Or going through the same thing at the same time. Right. So you you may be going through something right now and it's your own experience. Someone else may not come to that experience until years later. Right. So you you know, you you both may react the same way, but it's just just like kids. You've you've already gone through it. I don't know I'm what it's like to lose sleep over kids, it. so it's it's good. It's good for me. You do know what it's like to. I've heard you complain about your neighbors. <laughs> oh yeah, well, that, well, that's different. I mean, that that's Sorry, not... <laughs> that might have been inappropriate. Apologize. <laughs> no, that's good. Uh, yeah, no, I I definitely do, and um, yeah, hopefully they're listening. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are a little bit loud. And, uh, Let's turn the volume. 
Yeah, right. Um, no, but I'm probably a little loud too. Who knows? I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see what the rev- the comments say after <laughs> they're gonna comment and be like, "Listen here, buddy. We hear you every night." But nah. Um, nah. It 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 does speak volumes to. Um, I I think that yeah, not everybody has the same situation, and you're absolutely right. Um, I think that kids are a direct reflection of parents and the situation that they're they're being raised in. What's that saying? It's like um, environmental versus genetics or something like that. Have you heard of that? Mm-hmm. I'm not familiar with the exact wording on it, but they've actually done studies where they, they look at the way that you're brought up and they'll put different um, different categories and they'll kind of study the, the kids as they grow up in different environments and see what is m- more of an influence, the environment that you grow up in or um, the genetic traits that you get from your family. Mm. That's an interesting point because I don't know that they ever concluded that study. I don't think they ever came to a... It, yeah. It's pretty it, 50-50. It's tough. It's tough because you don't know, you, like you said, you don't, I mean, it's hard to see what is carried down to the next generation and what is like, okay, well, I grew up in the projects, so this is why I'm like this. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So it's 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 hard to tell or distinguish the difference. And, um, but then again, you have rare scenarios where people that grow up in projects turn into the most influential people in the world or the most successful people in the world. And, uh, it's really, I think the problem with today is that everyone tries to, and I just did it without even knowing is they give like a blanket statement for everybody yeah you just totally put all the project people together no no no. but not just that i'm talking about even before that when i said that everyone should just raise their kids and you know that whole spiel that i went on about like raising your kids to respect or fear the you know to disrespect you or disappoint you um but that's just a blanket statement i'm guilty of it i did it just subconsciously without even knowing and that's the problem is that you know, sometimes you have to reel yourself back in and be like, wait a second, not everybody is in the same exact situation with the same exact experiences as you. Um, and I think that, you know, you have to really monitor what you get really offended by. Because, like, if you're getting offended by um, something that, like, is a blanket statement, yeah, then it's like well you you have uh, it's hard to be offended by that because you don't know what the other person is going through or what the other person's doing or what the other person is is uh feeling so it's like at the end of the day everything we're talking about right now all these issues anything communication yeah That's i was it. gonna say we could we could totally bring this all back to the whole mindfulness and empathy thing just yeah. be aware of yourself and be aware of others all right so first semester is coming soon guys life and communication just sign up uh with me and i will be your instructor i'll be the surprise guest every now yeah. and then that pokes <laughs> pokes in when he tries to put a perfect world together right I, I mean it's it's, it's hard to put a perfect world together what is a perfect world what you know what i mean it's hard to really well, your perfect world would be much different than mine because yours would have sports. It already does, so exactly. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> it already does. Um, now, nah, my perfect world would definitely be a lot different than yours. And <laughs> <laughs> a lot different than uh, most. But I think that um, the problem is is that a lot of people, they just, everyone's just so 
tense and angry. And if we could translate that to just, um, or if we could just take a step back and really like talk how we're talking right now, mm. um, the world would be a lot better place, even if you disagree. I've disagreed with so many people and the ones that were able to sit there and actually communicate without getting disrespectful or heated or heated, like they survived and we're good. The ones who haven't now, we're not. We don't talk anymore. <laughs> exactly. Um, we're not going to have that conversation uh, again. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> well, or maybe when they grow up, but yeah. Um, because you don't have to agree with everybody about anything. You could live in your own world. That's what I'm doing. I'm living in my own world. And that's okay. I had Eddie Long on here. And him and I disagreed about a few things. And the one thing that I told him was that if you can make it make sense to me, then at the very least, I'll respect it as like as an opinion. You know what I'm saying? Okay. If you can make if you if if what you're saying makes sense, like if you can put a sentence together that isn't just a bunch of gibberish of random thoughts that you collected to and just threw in the pot, mm-hmm. um, then I could actually take you seriously. I don't have to agree with that opinion, mm-hmm. but I could actually take you seriously and be like, all right, this guy actually thought of this himself, you know, instead of just being influenced by anything. And um, I'm not sitting here saying I'm not in, I'm not influenced <laughs> by anything. No, I but, never go with the flow. Right, but I'm talking about when you disagree with someone. You know what I mean? Or if you're try if I'm trying to get you to believe in what I believe in, right? I, my job is to try to make it make sense to you because once it makes sense to you, then that light bulb goes on in your head or it doesn't. But at least you know that that was a legitimate point. You know, you versus, to be, yeah, to articulate it and explain it. And well I love, enough that I your point love, gets across. I love disagreeing with people. I love it. I love con- like talking, talk because I feel like a lot of the problems that we have, uh, most people disagree with each other, but a lot of the problems that we have, we just talk, just chill. So, talk. What, what do you think one of the biggest problems that we have is? Oh, <laughs> let's let's talk about this. Oh, okay. Biggest problem we have. Mm-hmm. Biggest problem like right we have. now. Like you and I? No, no, no. Oh. <laughs> we as in like as people, the biggest you could go like local, like Groton mm. or Connecticut, mm. country, mm. the world. Okay, I think the biggest problem we have right now is not only politics, but politics in the media. Mm. And you don't li- you don't watch the news, so you're so you're good. You're you're just. You're just not even paying attention, which is great. It's a great position to be in, and I find myself there now where it's I don't even like to know what's going on. I do still I, from I other am people. Aware. Yeah. Exactly. I am and from aware. social media, but I try not to get too deep into it. I just haven't found someone that I can watch and feel like They're not bullshitting you. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I got you. I know what you're saying. And that's my biggest beef with media. Mm-hmm. I think that if you have an audience that big and an influence and a potential to influence that many, you there needs to be some responsibility with that. You know what I mean? Instead of you know having the freedom to control the masses by whatever you say, um, that's our biggest problem. I think 
and it's it's not just a matter of of control i i feel like they don't have um they're not checking things the way that they should that right they're not factual at all for my mom we actually lost her in a tragic accident and before there were any Sorry facts to hear that. thank you before there were any facts um the news was there and they were interviewing people on what happened and then all of a sudden there was a family member there and the family member because it was somewhat of a car accident i mean she was walking and the vehicleist um struck her but just knowing that there was a driver involved this person started talking about texting and driving and then her whole story became this is what happens when you text and drive right the dude wasn't texting and driving and nothing to do with that and the media totally reported it that way right it was horrible right they also said a lot of other things that happened in that accident that were untrue and that just caused our family so much more pain Mm. and it caused unnecessary questions that people did not need to be inquiring about right it was, you know, and that's actually that's when I stopped watching the news. I don't think Good. I've ever gone back. Good. <laughs> Fuck that. Um, honestly, I've had such beef as I'm producing media. I have so much beef with media. I have so much. It, it sucks because not unless you go through that situation or or maybe unless you just see it for what it is, your average everyday person is not going to look at what they're reporting and be like, Ah, uh, that's bullshit. Yeah, they're they not. Don't, they they just, don't know just, to look for the truth. They're just eating it all. They just take it. Yeah, and it sucks because it's ruining us as people. We're being like fed lies, fed lies, and we're being divided. It's 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 right in our faces, and it's like people don't care, you know. And, and that brings me back to my point about having Eddie Long on the show. Is like him and I could disagree, but at the end of the day, I'll still shake his hand, give him a hug, and send him on his way. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. he's a friend of mine. So I don't care what he believes in. I could believe in fucking aliens and spaceships. He's probably going to think I'm weird, but he's still going to be my friend. And I think that the world needs to go back to that. Because when you and I were kids, um, were you? did you ever hear people talk about politics or religion at the dinner table? No, I think the the first time I ever and this is this is probably really horrible, but I think the first time that I ever had any exposure to what was going on in the political world was um Monica Lewinsky scandal. Right. That was that was my first exposure right. to getting involved in in the political story and what's going on in politics was when it made media. Right. Right. So media is the key word there. Yeah. And um it used to be taboo. They used to tell us like you never the two rules, you never talk politics or religion at mm. the dinner table or if you're going to like a work christmas party <laughs> don't bring those things up they always cause friction because not everybody believes in what you believe in why is that different now media have you ever heard people try to explain their religion these days it's not just uh christian catholic buddhist hindu they all have their own definition of what their religion is right like oh i incorporate some buddhism with yoga I follow the Hindu teaching <laughs> with a twist of, like, they're all just very specific. Like, I believe right. in this, but not that. It's very interesting to hear people talk about their religion these days. Right. It's not, but, but, but even, but the thing is, though, religion, it, I don't even consider it a, an issue right now. Like, yeah, like, it's always, there's always friction with religion. 
Um, but I don't consider it, it like I never, I never see any major headlines of uh, division in this country now based off of religion. Mm. Maybe it used to be, um, but now it's all political. It's like, when the fuck has anyone ever actually cared about politics? Like, all these people that start caring about, caring about politics now, where were you, like, <laughs> the last 15 years? <laughs> and why the fuck is it so important to you now? Shit that you didn't even care about before. Now it's like your life depends on it. And in some ways, I understand it does. But did it just click for you? Or are, or I, are they making you feel like it's important because I, before it, ne- it had no impact on these people's lives or at least they thought mm-hmm. it, it like the meaning to them it like it, it just it wasn't a priority to pay attention or be um an activist for certain things and now because it's in your face everywhere i feel like that transformed people to be heavily involved in politics who could care less 10 years ago you know I, what I mean? Yeah, I, I yeah. definitely agree. I think the reason for that has to do actually um, a lot of it probably with the uh, Obamacare and insurance right. because that brought a lot of people into the political game that didn't used to be. Mm. Um, insurance is a huge issue for, for people who either can't afford it or you're changing it, uh, pre-existing conditions. Um, the, 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 the way that they reformed a lot of the insurance companies when Obamacare hit and and the employers needing to offer it to all their full-time employees, it definitely brought a whole lot of people that weren't previously politically involved to start paying attention and be like, oh my gosh, this affects me. Right. So I think that was one thing. And then the more they do, the more changes that they're making, it it is drawing a different version of people in because it's affecting them in a different way that it didn't use to touch them. Right. I mean, people only care about something when it affects affects them them. personally, Mm. right? And, and that's just true for any scenario. Um, like, for example, I bet you our next-door neighbor is not going to care about the turmoil in Syria. Right. You know what I'm saying? Um, because it's not – we're not living in Syria. Right. But if we were, I bet you he would care about it. Might you know what I mean? More, yeah. Um, and it's just – but at the end of the day, I'm all for people having their beliefs – their rights, their freedoms, and I'm all for people having their specific, um, uh, what's the word? Their specific message or um, uh, thing that they want to be um, an activist for, or a spokesperson for, or an uh, something that they're very passionate about, a, a, a stance that they're very passionate about. I am all for that. Just whatever you do, just be kind to each other. Who cares what so-and-so believes in? If you don't like them as a person because of it, then just simply leave them alone Mm. and don't talk to them and and move on to the next person. Don't go picking fights with them. What is that going to solve? Right. You know? Um, And if you do want to actually find some middle ground, say you and I had – the most extreme differences in beliefs but we wanted to find some sort of middle ground and for me or for you it was worth the friendship to keep that right and find that middle ground then do so in a kind way Mm. don't get disrespectful just because they don't believe in what you believe in you know what i mean like why 
does it always resort to that? And I could tell you why, but it'd be a whole other podcast. <laughs> we just got this thing going. Right, right. It'd be a whole other podcast. <laughs> but to, to, to make it short, it would be – and you could watch either side's media, but the media has a very big impact on how we treat each other today. And the fact that they could come at each other with insults on live television – right. And not have any journalistic uh, morals behind them. Um, They are setting us. If we're seeing that, okay, that's how people are supposed to treat each other. Okay, I'm going to go treat them like that then. No, that's what I mean by they should have some responsibility. Standard. Yeah, 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 they should. But that's why there's such division and friction in this country. You asked me what. I think our biggest problem is as Mm. society, it's that you can't go anywhere now without hearing something about politics or or something, something, just something that's friction, something that's negative. When's the last time you went out in public and you heard people, strangers talking to each other about something positive? It's been a long fucking time. I don't think strangers talk to each other anymore after COVID. Everyone's so damn scared. Right. I talk to everybody. Well, there you go. <laughs> I don't give a fuck. I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll pull up in a grocery store and just, like I said, I'll talk to like an old person for hours for no reason, just just to do it. So um, where I work, we have a lot of small businesses as clients. So I get to talk to a lot of small business owners. The stories of their customers that we hear them talking about, it's so interesting because I'm the customer, first of all. So to hear their perspective is a little mm. bit backwards. But they, um, small businesses that I've locally have heard from, it's like the customers are just not the same. They're on no. edge. They're easily ticked off. They're, they're more not, verbal, not the same. aggressive. It's just... They're more, I want to speak to your manager versus, all right, I'm not coming back here again. No, Not even I want to speak to your manager. They'll give you shit. Yeah. They yeah. just take it out on whoever's in front of them. Right, right, right. It's crazy. But let's let's uh, let's uh end off on something positive. Okay, that okay? sounds like a good let's idea. Let's end off on, I mean, we could be here all day, but, I mean, we, we both agree that um, the world needs to be a little bit more loving and uh, more communicating Mm -hmm. um so why don't you first of all why don't you tell everybody where they could find you if they want to buy your book or if they want to hear more from you personally or if they want to follow your work or anything like that um yeah definitely so this again see it there in that yeah all right so this is uh my name on facebook susan nicole scully hattrick and you can friend me or message me or check out my wall i recently started learning about tiktok there's some pretty oh, funny TikToks on there <laughs> it's really funny i am not good at this at all but i think it's hysterical um i love to laugh at myself there you go um so um yeah you can find me on facebook um there's also um, a girl called beauty at gmail.com if you want to email me if you're not on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what my TikTok is. <laughs> Sound like that. <laughs> I'm not even sure you can look someone up. And, and, uh, yeah, so emails, Facebook. You can comment on here. I'm going to check mm-hmm. it out after it posts. And you can chat on this wherever you watch your podcast from. YouTube. YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> uh, any final words or any final thoughts or anything you want to leave? Um, the listeners and viewers with any anything just anything i just encourage you guys to be true to yourselves and not feel like you need to keep anything in that doesn't feel right 
If you have something that you have a voice, you have a passion, you have an inspiration, whether it's writing or, or music or painting, be you. Be true to you. Amen to that. Amen to that. Thank you for coming, Susie. Thanks it's for uh, me. It's been a pleasure, and I'm sure you'll be back to promote your next book. <laughs> a year or two. Yeah, hey, Three. whatever, whatever, whatever happens. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Um, I'm glad that uh, y'all are still listening uh, for year two, and we're uh, we're kicking strong. We're doing good, and uh, hopefully we have more guests like you on the show. So thank you again, and uh, I'll catch y'all next week. Ha <laughs> <laughs>